Real quick before I start the show today, I wanted to let you know that I now have a YouTube channel and I'm going to have new episodes of the show up on the channel as well as some short little clips here and there. You can find that at fairlyimportant.com slash YouTube or you can just go to YouTube and type in the words fairly important. I'll be sure to have a link in the show notes. Okay, on to the show. So in a few weeks, there will be pastors from all over Canada preaching on a topic that pastors in Canada and all over the world have preached on since Christianity came into existence. Only this time, when those pastors preach on this particular topic, it's going to be illegal for them to do so. And in case you were wondering if you heard me correctly, I did say these pastors are in Canada, not China. I see things happening in Western nations that aren't America, I can't help thinking that it's right around the corner for everybody who lives here. Whether it's a vaccine mandate or a lockdown or some other authoritarian, you know, measure that takes place, I'm always thinking to myself, okay, it's happening over there. That means it's about two months away from being our reality. And thankfully, there's times when I'm wrong on that. However, I still think there's a lot of value in looking at the state of other Western nations as kind of like a barometer for our own freedoms here in the United States. And one country that's really had me concerned for a long while is Canada. And although I am an American, I've talked about the state of freedom in Canada in a few of my previous episodes. So, for instance, you have episode 15. That one was called Honest Journalists and Jailed Pastors. And in that episode, I talked about Pastor James Coates, who was jailed for keeping his church open at full capacity during COVID. And then in episode 19, which was called The Underground Church in Canada, I talked about how Pastor James needed to start having the church meet in an undisclosed location to avoid the cops because they literally fenced off the church property and they showed up one Sunday morning, 200 officers strong, to keep people out of the church building. You can find those episodes, by the way, in your podcast player of choice or at fairlyimportant.com slash episode 15 and fairlyimportant.com slash episode 19. So, yeah, like I said, things have been a tad tumultuous for religious freedom um, in general for my neighbors to the north for some time now. And that's why today's development doesn't come as a surprise to me one bit. And it is a development that caught the attention of at least one prominent American pastor. 
here's the headline from the Daily Wire, and the story here is a couple of days old. It says, John MacArthur calls on pastors to preach biblical sexuality in defiance of new Canadian law that would, quote, criminalize evangelism. You read that correctly. Like I said, a new law has come into effect or is going to go into effect in the next few days here in Canada. And there are pastors and there are people of faith who are standing up against this. And in churches all across the country, or I suppose I should say in churches all across the country that still care about the authority of Scripture, there are going to be pastors preaching sermons specifically about God's plan for marriage and sex. They're going to be doing that on January 16th. And the reason they are doing that is because of a new bill, which is going into effect on January 8th. The bill is called C4. And here's the purpose of the bill. Apparently, Canada has kind of had it up to here with what's called conversion therapy. And according to the article, C4, which unanimously passed both the House of Commons and the Senate before receiving royal assent on December 8th, is meant to outlaw conversion therapies. That is, psychological treatments intended to retrain same-sex-attracted people to prefer the opposite sex and individuals who believe they're transgender to embrace their biological sex. They do point out here that when approached in a coercive or abusive manner, nearly all mainstream Christian denominations also condemn such therapy. And I'm going to pause right there and kind of unpack that for you a little bit and explain this a tad bit more, because you might be thinking, you're, you're a Christian, and you might be thinking, well, okay, conversions therapy, that sounds... You know, that sounds like a good thing. I believe that sex is meant for a man and a woman within the confines of marriage. By the way, I too believe that. And you might be thinking, well, what's wrong with this uh, with this therapy? So let me try to dive into this a bit more. The media really makes this out to be a terrible thing. And I'll be honest, I have heard some horror stories where parents send their kids off to... Uh, like a camp, and uh, crazy things happen along the way. I heard an interview with a girl who was sent to live with a man and a woman. They were they weren't licensed in any way, according to according to the story, to even do therapy of any kind. And um, she wasn't a Christian; she was a Mormon. But she she talked about how one of the things that they made her do was wear a backpack all day, every day. With something like 45 pounds of rocks. And those rocks were meant to demonstrate the weight and the severity of her sin. And when she was 16, she took a ton of pills and tried to kill herself. Thankfully, she was not successful in that attempt. I am not advocating for that here. And as the article says, and and again, I give them credit for stating this, when conversion therapy is approached in a coercive or abusive manner, pretty much every Christian condemns it. I've heard other horror stories where gay boys would go to this camp 
and they were made to cuddle with other guys to teach themselves to not be attracted to those guys. I don't even know what to say about that one. Again, like the article states, I think that those practices are something that are frowned on by most level-headed people that love Jesus. And as much as I'm going to be painted as someone who wants to see gay kids wear backpacks filled with rocks until they repent, that isn't who I am. But here's my problem with this uh, this new Canadian law, even though I'm, quote, safe here in America for now until we see stuff like this in America any day. My problem is that I see the same thing that a lot of Christians see. And for that, we're going to go back to the article. Again, when approached in a coercive or abusive manner, nearly all mainstream Christian denominations also condemn such therapy. But critics say C4's language is so broad, it also effectively bans preaching and teaching based on biblical sexual ethics. For instance, it could prevent counseling that references many Old and New Testament passages that demonstrate God reserves sex for one man and one woman within the bond of marriage. It could also criminalize any instruction that confirms human beings are created as indelibly male or female from birth. The Bible has no category for transgender other than to condemn men dressing like women and vice versa in verses like Deuteronomy 22.5. Even further, the bill makes it a crime for parents to provide Christian therapy to their children suffering from gender dysphoria and prevents pastors and other religious leaders from offering biblical counseling or advice to same-sex attracted individuals who desire to obey God's commands to repent from the sin of homosexual practices. Violations carry a penalty of up to five years in prison, end quote. So here you have a bill that throws parental rights directly out the window. And it also is denying pastors the ability to pastor their flock. One of the most important roles any pastor is ever going to play in their entire career is the role of a counselor to the people they serve. And if someone can't do something as simple as go to their pastor and ask them for help overcoming a sin, then who do they go to? I'm assuming Canada now only approves of them, you know, seeing a state-sponsored counselor. And of course, it can't just be any state-sponsored counselor. It has to be one who is going to perfectly comply with their godless worldview. And of course, those counselors will also need to agree with any woke worldviews that the government adopts in the future, at the drop of a hat, without question. So my pastor, who doesn't doesn't get political, I mean, I know he has opinions on things, but he doesn't get political, he certainly doesn't get political in the pulpit. My pastor says he expects a day to come when it's going to be illegal for him to preach the gospel. Again, I'm in the U.S., and this this whole thing I'm talking about today is a Canadian law, but the writing is on the wall. That day is getting closer. Christians 
in the U.S. and all around the world are already painted as homophobic for believing, you know, what God's word says on sex and sexuality. And many politicians and media personalities are going to plainly tell you that it is hate speech to agree with scripture on these matters. But the gospel isn't hate speech. And as this article mentions in the title, one American pastor is is standing up to this and he's saying, no, we're, we're going to we're going to preach the whole counsel of God. And we're going to stand and support our Canadian brothers and sisters in Christ. Going back to the article here. In response, John MacArthur, longtime senior pastor of Grace Community Church in Los Angeles, is asking for ministers across the U.S. to join him in preaching about God's standard for sexuality on January 16th. MacArthur's statement, issued December 28th, calls for a show of solidarity that will put Canadian and U.S. governments on notice that they have attacked the Word of God. In his appeal, MacArthur quoted Canadian Minister James Coates. Again, that's the... uh, the pastor that I have uh, talked about on two episodes now who was jailed for having the audacity to hold church services while COVID was a thing. In his appeal, MacArthur quoted Canadian Minister James Coates saying the bill could be used to criminalize evangelism. End quote. You see, when the government tells pastors and tells the church that one part of their worldview is hate speech. It's going to happen with other areas of their worldview. When parents aren't permitted to raise their kids in accordance with their religion in one area, it's going to happen in other areas. But if you despise religion, you're not going to agree with me. If you feel like it's hateful to do anything other than fully embrace someone's sin, you're not going to agree with me. People love to point to the scripture where the Pharisees catch a woman in the act of adultery. And they want to stone her to death. And Jesus says, sure, go ahead. The first one of you that has no sin, go ahead and throw the first stone at her. Hit her right in the head. That's my paraphrase. They love that one. Wow, look how Jesus owned those guys. Those those religious zealots. They just, they walked away with their heads hung in shame. People that don't have a high view of scripture will use scripture to justify sin. They'll focus on how Christ told us to love our neighbors without realizing that loving people doesn't mean you encourage their destructive, sinful lifestyle. In fact, it's just the opposite. Yeah, Christ forgave the woman caught in adultery that all the Pharisees wanted to stone. But immediately after forgiving her, he said, go and sin no more. And that is because God, being the creator of everything, being the source of all good, He knows the destructive power of sin. He knows that all the things that we think only impact us, whether it's our sex lives, whether it's the things that we think, whether it's the words we choose to say, 
whether it's how we treat other people, he knows that all of those things harm us and harm others. So he says to that woman, after forgiving her, go and sin no more. Unfortunately, many people in the church, and I should probably rephrase that, I would say many people in the false church, want Jesus, but they don't want repentance. They want to be called one of his followers, but they don't want that to have any impact on how they live. And that isn't how it works. We don't get to make God in our image, and the government certainly doesn't get to make God in their image. So here's a little bit more from the article, and they're quoting John MacArthur here. He says, I'm eager to support our Canadian brothers and to preach on biblical sexual morality on January 16th, and I invite you as a faithful pastor to do the same. MacArthur wrote, later adding, We are all well aware of the evil power and destructive influence of the homosexual and transgender ideology. Our government is bent on not only normalizing this perversion, but also legalizing it, and furthermore criminalizing opposition to it. He then went on to point out similar laws have made their way through state legislatures in the U.S. As I said earlier, I look at things happening in the Western world in general, and I see it as a sign of things to come in America. And as the article states here, we've already seen some version of this in different states in, in, in America, but it's not to the level of what's about to happen in Canada. So again, from the article here, in 2012, California enacted a law that prohibited conversion therapy, though its purview is much more limited than C4s. New York, New Jersey, Oregon, Massachusetts, Nevada, and a number of other states passed similar bills soon after. On a national level, the Democratic Party included banning, quote, harmful conversion therapy practices in its platform at its convention this past August. At the same time, as the Daily Wire has previously reported in numerous stories, school districts across the U.S. have grown much more aggressive in teaching students that they may be gay or transgender and that identifying as such is good for children's mental health. Countless videos posted on social media accounts like Libs of TikTok have gone viral in recent months for showing LGBT educators and their allies insisting that having a right to indoctrinate children with the idea that characterizing homosexuality or transgenderism as sin is hateful. To date, there are no laws that prohibit teachers, counselors, or clergy for proselytizing for homosexuality and transgenderism. C4, that's the name of the bill, C4 is no different. As Anna Ninehouse, and I may be butchering that last name, as Anna Ninehouse of Canada's Association for Reform Political Action has pointed out, while the bill bans any attempts to help someone turn away from unwanted homosexuality or transgenderism, it imposes no limits on attempts to, quote, counsel a cisgender or heterosexual individual to become transgender or homosexual. Let me read that part again, because I think it's important. While the bill bans any attempts to help someone turn away from unwanted homosexuality or transgenderism, it imposes no limits 
on attempts to counsel a cisgender or heterosexual individual to become transgender or homosexual. I don't know. I don't know what to say. My thought is that the Canadian government isn't against indoctrination. They don't frown on indoctrination. In fact, they're totally fine with indoctrinating really little kids with ideologies that are completely opposed to God and natural law. That's totally fine with them. But anyway, in response to this, on January 16th, a bunch of pastors in Canada and America, including John MacArthur, are going to preach what the Bible teaches about homosexuality and marriage. Here's a few final paragraphs from that article. This is a quote from Andrew D. Partolo, who's the teaching elder at Encounter Church in Ontario. Here's what he says. In the preamble of the bill, and of course he's, he's talking about C4, this, this, new, uh, this new bill that is going into effect on January 8th. In the preamble of the bill, it says that the belief that, quote, heterosexuality, cisgender gender identity, and gender expression that conforms to the sex assigned to a person at birth are to be preferred over other sexual orientations, gender identities, and gender expressions, is a, quote, myth. According to Canadian law, as of January 8th, 2022, the belief in God's design for marriage and sexuality will now be seen as a myth. His letter continues, On January 16th, 2022, faithful men across this country and many in the United States as well will be preaching on God's design for marriage and a biblical ethic of sexuality. We will be doing so illegally, declaring to the state that there is one God and one Lord over his church, and that Christ alone gets to both define marriage and dictate what is required in the pulpit. We are honored that our American brothers will be joining us in this. Okay, I'm done quoting the article now. Look, I said this earlier. My pastor honestly believes it will be illegal to preach the gospel in America one day. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that it's going to be illegal to preach the gospel in Canada in like a few days. And I guess that really all just boils down to what you consider the gospel to be. If you hear the word gospel and you think to yourself that it's merely a leftist worldview that God loves everyone as they are right now and they don't need to change anything to inherit eternal life, then I guess Canadian pastors are free to preach that twisted version of the gospel. In fact, a lot of pastors in America are going to be safe, too. Now, don't misconstrue what I'm saying here. I do understand that... While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I do understand that he loves sinners enough to lay down his life. I get that. But when we turn our lives to Christ, we are to turn away from that sin. It doesn't mean you're going to be sinless. It doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles. But to go on living a lifestyle of sin and to be unrepentant, it's incompatible with biblical Christianity. So again, if you just want to preach about Jesus loving everybody, you're going to be fine. 
But if you think the gospel is about men being sinful and utterly lost, and their only hope being Christ's perfect sacrifice on the cross, you're going to be in trouble. At least if you live in Canada. And very soon that's going to be the case in the United States. You might think it's sensationalist to say the things that I'm saying. But I've been watching Canada for a while now as I watch what's happening in the United States. And churches are being persecuted. You had Pastor James Coates go to prison. You also had, and I spoke about him on uh, episode 19 of the podcast, Pastor Arthur Peslowski. He immigrated to Canada from the former Soviet Union. And on Good Friday of this past year, a video went viral where a good handful of cops, maybe four or five, along with a health inspector, showed up inside his church on Good Friday to see if everybody was complying with all of the COVID restrictions. And Pastor Arthur, knowing how Nazis work, knowing how communists work, he screamed at them until they left the church. He didn't allow them to speak. He just yelled and yelled and yelled and just walked them out the door. Well, that man has since been arrested twice now by the same government that felt the need to wander into his church with police officers and a health inspector on Good Friday to make sure he wasn't breaking any of their rules. And it's that same government in Canada that stepped in in November of 2020 and sent him a letter telling him he was no longer allowed to feed the homeless in Calgary because he had a lot of homeless people lining up for food in the frigid, frigid temperatures in Calgary. And they had limitations that only 10 people could meet at a public space. So they fined him. The guy's been fined multiple times. So for anybody who thinks that I'm being alarmist, for anybody who says, well, look, it's fine that the government's stepping in and telling pastors what they can preach, how they can counsel people privately, telling parents how they can go about having their kids counseled if they're struggling with something. You know, that's all fine. If you really think that, you really got to open your eyes. But I'd love to hear your argument. Whether you agree with me, whether you don't agree with me, reach out to me on Twitter, Getter, or Parlor. The handle is at Fairly Important. You can also drop me an email, Travis at FairlyImportant.com, or you can leave a comment on the page for today's episode. That is at FairlyImportant.com slash episode 52, and that's just the number 52. Any one of those ways, you can get in touch with me and tell me what you think. But I will say that in the event that you think my concerns are well-founded, if you feel troubled by what you're seeing happening in Canada and what you're seeing happening in the U.S., I would ask you to pray for church leaders in both of those countries. We have so few pastors on the planet, really not even just in the U.S. and Canada, we have so few pastors on this planet who truly stand up for Scripture. And I would ask that you pray for those men who need the courage to continue doing so. In addition to that, 
If you enjoy what you're hearing on this podcast and you want to get behind my work, you want to support me, head over to fairlyimportant.com slash support and give a financial gift today so I can keep this show going. And with that, I will close and I will thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day today. I can't believe it's already episode number 52. That means that I've been at this for a full year now and you and everybody else who tunes into this show are the reason that I do this. So thanks again. Have a great day and God bless. Hey, I bet you thought I was gone, but I'm not. And apparently neither are you. If you don't mind, I'd love for you to do me a quick favor. Hit the subscribe or follow button in whatever podcast app you're using right now. I'll also ask you to review the show. If you do a written review, I might even read it on an upcoming episode. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, CastBox, Podcast Addict, or Podchaser, or at fairlyimportant.com slash love the podcast. Okay, I'm going to go for real now. You can go too.